Still half a minute to go in the man advantage. Edler dumps the puck in. Seabrook is back. Up the boards. Aaron couldn't quite hold the line. Here comes Patrick Sharp with Christine. Sharp backhand scores! Big time goal for Patrick Sharp. Seabrook near corner. He'll lift it through the air and down toward the Red Wing blue line. Seabrook goes the Red Wing line. Should he score? Hawks win on a Seabrook overtime goal. Serve up the Calamari. Game behind the net now with a puck. Carries around to the right wing board to the line. Seabrook will drive. He scores! One minute into triple overtime. It's Seabrook with a bomb from the blue line. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. And we are fueled by a combined six Stanley Cup championships on this week's episode. We welcome in our special guest, Brent Seabrook, recently retired of the longtime Chicago Blackhawks and spending all of his time there along with our teammate now, Patrick Sharp. Hey, guys, good to have you both on here with us. How good you guys to see doing? You, Thanks for having me. Brent, see, welcome. It's good to have you on. Yeah. Man. I, didn't know what, I didn't think I'd see you again after you announced retirement, but thanks for <laughs> coming on. This is my last one I got to do, so um, <laughs> I'm excited to be on it, and um, yeah, looking forward to talking some hockey. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah, Brent, before we talk some hockey, I want to talk some retirement with you. I mean, what's it been like for you since you announced your retirement and how life has kind of settled in for you and your new, you know, no more hockey? Yeah, it's been different. Um, you know, getting home and seeing the family was, was big for me. Uh, they, uh, they stayed up here in Canada. So, um, it was a tough couple of months and I know a lot of guys throughout the league are, are doing, doing different things, but, uh, yeah, I think that was the big thing was, was spending time with my teammates there in Chicago and, and, uh, and doing that, they, they left for the road and, and, uh, ended up coming home. So it's been good being back and seeing everybody and, uh, being a dad again. So. Yeah. KT Seeds was in Chicago living with Kirby this whole season, trying to get back and give it one last kick at the can. And his family was at home. Seeds, I didn't think you mentioned your family. You got the wife, you got three kids. How many dogs you got now? Four dogs at home? Yeah, we got four. Yeah, we got a, yeah, we got quite the crew here. My wife was, uh, she was grinding. She was, uh, she was a big help and, and uh, keeping everything together at home here. So it was good. I teased Sharpie on the air, Brent, found it very ironic that he ends up going to Chicago for the first time in a long time to broadcast his first game in the booth with Pat Foley. And two days prior, you announced your retirement. So I thought, gee, did this sync up nicely for Patrick Sharp to make his return to Chicago and hang out with his buddy? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. I got to see him a little bit. And uh, we were reminiscing and sharing some old war stories and, and talking <laughs> hockey. So it was, uh, it was fun. Looking forward to sharing some of those stories today. Brent, at what point did you realize that it was time? You know, you've battled so many injuries over the course of your career. I know this season you were giving it your best shot to come back. What was the turning point for you when you ultimately realized it's time to hang them up? Um, well, yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of a um, 
I mean, I, I tried to just focus on, on getting back and playing and, um, you know, I, I was skating with the skating coach there and, and, uh, trying to get better. And, and I think the natural progression for, for me was to, to get out there with, uh, some guys and, and, and keep up and, and try and, uh, get into some drills and some things like that. And that's really, uh, when I noticed that it wasn't going to allow me to, to play anymore. I think, uh, you know, my mind's still there. I still know how to play defense, uh, positioning. I, I, I've got that figured out over, over my career, but, uh, you know, my body just wasn't going to allow me to, to move the way I needed to move and, and keep up with, uh, how fast these guys are now. And, and, uh, that was, uh, I don't even know a, a week, I guess, before the announcement came out, I skated on a Saturday and, and, uh, Mark Crawford had the taxi squad out there and we were skating and I just, yeah, I just was, uh, was difficult. And, uh, that was sort of that night talking to the doctors and, and whatnot. He, uh, he mentioned that it was going to be, you know, he, he probably thought it was going to be like that uh, a month before, but, you know, for me and, and for the rest of my life, I needed to, to give it one last shot and, and really give it a, a crack. And, and uh, I did that. So, you know, I'm proud of that and, and uh, excited for the next chapter. Speaking of that next chapter, I mean, a lot of people want to know kind of where, where we're going to see you again, what your plans are now. Are you going to take a little time off to be with the family and then make a decision on what you want to do? Or do you just, you know, do you have you given it much thought as to what life looks like now moving forward? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about a lot of different things. I don't really know. Uh, I haven't really put my finger on it, but, uh, I love hockey and, and I love being around the team atmosphere. So I could see myself jumping back in, you know, at some capacity, but, uh, like you said, I mean, I'm just going to try and enjoy my family, be a dad, coach the kids. Um, I don't know. My wife was saying I could be the soccer coach. I'm, I don't know how to coach soccer, but my five, six-year-old girls there, they, uh, they, um, they can, uh, I'm sure they don't need, I'm not, I'm not coaching the world cup or anything like that. So it's, uh, it'd probably be pretty easy to throw a ball out there and get them running around and having fun. So, um, I don't know. I just want to be a dad and, and, uh, be back here and, and, uh, have some fun and, and that stuff will come out in the wash for sure. No contact in soccer though. When you're teaching the kids, they're not allowed to hit no cold shoulders that you used to do patrolling the blue line out there <laughs> yeah no I'm gonna have to teach them how to kick their head back and lay on the ground for a bit I don't know how to do that so <laughs> any interest in dabbling into broadcasting Brent we, we know another former hawk who happens to do a pretty darn good job at it maybe it's in the water there in Chicago yeah I don't know I, I, I watching you guys it's uh, it's pretty cool I, I feel like uh I don't know if I could get into that but um yeah, I mean, I'm open to, to whatever and, and uh, talking hockey. I like talking hockey and, and I like being around it. So I don't know. The best part about being a broadcaster, Biscuits, is whenever there's a down night in the NHL, we just fire up some old Blackhawks highlights. We find a weird stat that somehow I'm in like the top five in and we run that. Right, KT? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, no, I've seen it. I, some of those stats you guys talk about, I've never even heard of those things before. So. <laughs> we, we, we never have either. Patrick Sharp brings that to the production meeting. He's like, here's where I'm relevant from 10 years ago. So we need to incorporate this in the broadcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, okay, wait, I got a question, though, because I just heard Sharpie say biscuits. Where did that nickname come from? Sharpie, I don't know which one of you wants to share that story, but I feel like that might be a good one. 
Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I'm guessing it came from Dunks. Um, you know, Sieb's had a couple of roommates over the years at his place in Chicago, all rookies too. Duncan Keith, when he was a rookie, lived with Sieb's. Jonathan Taves, um, before he moved out onto his own to be the captain serious, he was living with Sieb's as well. And then just this past year, Kirby, uh, Kirby Doc was living with him as a rookie. So I don't know, I'm pretty sure it was Dunks that gave you the name, Mr. Biscuits. It has to be, right? I, I heard the story about it was uh it was a scout back when i was drafted is what i heard and they told our scout uh you know have fun riding sea biscuit into training camp or something like that and then it turned into i was a bigger kid chubby and all that when i was drafted and uh and then i think it was i don't even know how it kept coming out and then it's evolved you know what, what a dunk say he was going to get a a hamster and just keep feeding it and call it Mr. Biscuits. And it was, <laughs> then it was Sea Biscuit. You know, it just sort of evolved into, you know, I guess what hockey players do, they find a nickname and then it's, you know, it evolves over time. But yeah. That's just like you called Johnny Captain Serious. Didn't you come up with that name? Yeah, it was Mr. Serious because he was cranky one day at the house and I chirped him or whatever. And then it was, then that came to the rink. And then he was the captain, so then it turned into Captain Serious, and then it was, and then everybody sort of rolled with it. And then it was his, his I don't even know if it still is, people call him that, but it's, uh, it was a nickname there for a while. I don't think he likes it very much, though. He's <laughs> past that, right? It's like uh, Sid the Kid. He's no longer allowed to be called <laughs> Sid the Kid. I didn't have KT until I started broadcasting hockey, and now my family members are calling me KT. I'm like, well, this is weird. My colleagues came up with <laughs> Not you guys must be a hockey thing everything's got to be a nickname um you know I'm curious Brent what, what it's been like for you has it been hard to kind of tune into the games have you do you miss the game now that you're retired yeah I do miss the game I, I, I mean it, I I'm tuning in uh here at the house um you know I've been watching all the games since you know I had surgery a year and a half ago and and uh I mean I like uh I like watching the, the boys play and I think they're playing great. So it's, it's fun to watch. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been home and, and uh, the games start at four o'clock here because we're on the West coast. So that's been a, a little difficult with, with kids running around and doing what they're doing, but uh, yeah, I'm tuning in and, and watching the games and, and uh, checking in on the guys. It's been a weird season, given the alignment, given the, the brevity of the games played this year, and everything just seems to be evolving together. A lot of teams are taking breaks due to whatever it may be, COVID outbreaks, or perhaps in Dallas, we've had significant weather delay some of the games. Um, what are your impressions so far of the season? Because one team we've been talking about every single week, it seems like, as the biggest surprise are the Chicago Blackhawks and where they're at. Brent, you know, seeing all-encompassing the divisions and also the teams, what's been your biggest surprise? Um. I don't, I don't know if I'm really surprised. I think, you know, I think Jeremy and, and Stan have done a good job putting a, a team together and Jeremy's doing a good job uh, getting guys to, to fall in line and, and, and play as a team. Um, you know, and I, I think the guys are playing well. I think we have some young guys that are stepping up in Chicago and, and playing great. Um, you know, the goaltending has been, been outstanding. Subi and, and uh, Lanky have been, been great and fun to watch and Kaner's doing his thing and, and Dunk's, uh, you know, I don't think he's looked better, you know, in a long time. So he's, he's playing great and, and they're sort of leading the charge with those young guys. And, and, uh, you know, it's just been, uh, it's been fun to watch, but, uh, watching the games in Chicago, 
they put us in a box and they've got all these areas where you can go and you can't go and you have to have a badge on or a whatever it's called. And, and uh, just watching the games is, is totally different without fans. I think, you know, I, I wasn't able to play in any games in this new uh, structure, but um, the, the fans are what make the game great, you know, and the emotion and, and what they bring. And, and uh, you know, you see the guys celebrating and, and bringing their own emotion if they score, but, you know, it's nothing like having 22,000 people at the United Center roaring and cheering and, and, uh, and just, just bringing that energy. And I think, uh, I think that's the weirdest thing for me that I've noticed throughout the, the season so far. Especially at the United Center, too. Our building's so big there in Chicago. It's awesome when it's filled with all those red jerseys. But these last uh, few months of watching hockey, man, it's got to be one of the quietest, emptiest feelings playing on that ice. Seems I want to ask you, it's tough to compare the teams, but you are obviously a huge centerpiece of, of what we did in Chicago. And, and there's not three banners at the United Center without number seven uh, patrolling the ice and the locker room and all that stuff. But do you see any similarities with this young version of the Hawks that's looking to build towards the playoffs, build towards winning rounds uh, compared to what we had there for, for a while? Uh, I think the similarity I would bring into it is, is uh, how we were in, in 2008 and nine, having a lot of young guys growing together as a group. Um, you know, we, we sort of had that feeling, right? Um, in 2008, when we, we missed the playoffs by three points, and, uh, and then going into the next season, having uh, have, have going to the third round of the playoffs. I remember I, I was talking about this the other day, like that, that was probably when we really knew it. But I mean, I, I don't know if there was a sad guy in that locker room that we lost to Detroit, you know, like, yeah, it stung right when we lost, but we, we were excited to be in the playoffs. I remember walking around and, and hanging out and we were, going out after having some beers and, and, and enjoying Chicago. And I remember talking with the guys about we got to get back and do this again. Like it was, you know, it was, it gave us that extra motivation. So uh, losing to Detroit, I think was, was big for us, but, but it was exciting to, to see what, what that was all about. And uh, I think, you know, you watch this young team now, I think we've got some, some veteran leaders there that have been to the top of the mountain and, and they're playing great. Uh, helping the young guys learn and succeed. And, and uh, I think the comparison you'd make is, is, is having those young guys sort of grow up together and, and how we did it, you know, because we had all those guys in 2008 and then 2009, and we were able to build and, and grow as a group and, and just, uh, just be a team, just be a real good team and, and be, be together. So Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
that, that 2009 year was really fun. The expectations were low. We added Joel behind the bench that year. Keenan Taves were stud players in the league. And those first few playoff rounds that that core group played together, it was Calgary was the first one, then Vancouver right after. KT, those playoff rounds were like as emotional as I can remember. Uh, all the playoff rounds that we played in going forward, we had a ton of them. So uh, the feeling in the city afterwards too, Steve's is absolutely right. We were, we were down, we wanted to win, but the, the reception that we got from the fans was like we won the Stanley Cup. It honestly was. Everybody was high-fiving us in the bars, jumped on the bandwagon, got the Blackhawks jerseys. Uh, it was Blackhawks fever all around the city, and, and that kind of motivated us to get back there again. It really cued the momentum, uh, you know, just covering it from afar and being a part of it as a broadcaster. I mean, you guys, that's really what kick-started and got the city back into this Chicago Blackhawks team. They started eat, sleep, breathing by you guys. Sharpie, you probably have a better perspective of my next question. Brent will get there. But at what point, Sharpie, after you retired, did you look back and realize how special it was, what you guys were able to accomplish as a group, winning three Stanley Cups with that core group in a city like Chicago, an original six franchise. Yeah, I just feel like on days like this, when you get to see Siebes on the other side of things now as a retired player, a host of before him, mm -hmm. uh, it stung a little bit when I retired to see those guys still playing and having great um, seasons in the National Hockey League. But as we get older, uh, I think it's going to get more and more special to look back and know that that we were on some pretty fun teams to be a part of and really good guys off the ice as well. Uh, you just look at the history of the game. You don't really have that happen too often. So I'm thankful that I was a part of it with these guys. And, and Siebes was there from day one as the big brother on the team, um, always picking guys up from, from the hotel. He did that to me when I was 24 years old. He was 18, Catherine, and he was like the big brother to me, taking me to practice on time and showing me around the city. He did that for countless other guys. So uh, congratulations, Steve's on an awesome career. It's it's pretty remarkable what you accomplished in that city, pal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you too. Been been a lot of fun. We had a lot of good memories, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was a great great run. I mean, even like you said, I think the announcement was on Friday, and you were in the living room Saturday night, and we were having a beer, and and uh, it was already like that's the the great thing about having having awesome teammates and being a part of a team like that is you know you ask how the family's doing you ask how the kids are doing and then it's it's right into hockey You're like oh, i remember this i remember that and, you know what a what a great memory this was it was really cool to do this yada 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 right and we sat there and talked for a couple hours just about you know old stories and and things that uh you know maybe sharpie remembers or or i would remember that that one of us maybe forgot or, or didn't see it the same way. And it was, it's cool to, to look back and have those conversations with old teammates and, and uh, whatnot. So. Sharpie, you talk about Brent being a big brother and it's our producer who uh, reminded me about the, the moment in 2013, Brent, when, you know, you, you had to take Jonathan Taves under your wing and kind of get him to calm down a little bit in that series against the Red Wings and ultimately led to the Stanley Cup. What, what went through your mind at that point with what you needed to do to get your team back together and in particular to get Jonathan Taves to shake things off a little bit, calm down? I mean, what was the message you had for him that night? I was asked that question by, uh, by the media in Chicago too. Uh, last week and I, I can't remember what I said to him or, or what I did I, I think I, I might almost gave him a concussion I banged him on the head so many times but I, I don't know I don't know what I said I think it was it was more like you know I think he got out of the penalty box he took a penalty and then he got out of the penalty box 
and I, th I think he skated on the ice and tripped somebody and got another penalty. And then I think he jumped out again and did something out right. Like it was three right away. Right. And it was, you know, <laughs> you could just see the, 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 the frustration. And I think, you know, he was obviously pissed off. It was a huge game, big game for our team. And, and, uh, you know, I think frustration is, is, is how you beat teams and how you beat individuals. And, and, uh, could see some frustration in there but we, we we needed him he was he was our best player and arguably one of the best players in the league and and uh you know we needed him to to be good and and uh I, I can't remember what I said to him it was just a a little thing I mean we had a great relationship from when when he lived with uh with me his first year and and uh I just I don't know if it was a a fatherly swat on the the bum smarting up or if it was uh we need you to just calm down or whatever it was, but it was, um, you know, just a little moment in time. And, and, uh, so. And then right after that, he sniped one the next game. KT, he was struggling at that point, Jonathan, to score. He was just getting smothered by like the other team's top checking. And that was the main focus for a couple of rounds. And then after that little pep talk from uncle Sieves, he went out and sniped on the next game. We would uh, win the series in game seven. To me, that's how you'll be remembered in Chicago by, by the hardcore fans is that goal in overtime versus the wings. Uh, that's probably like the trademark moment of those great Blackhawks teams. And to see your head in the celebration, just a little bit higher than everyone else's, you know, making that face. I'll always remember that. That was a huge moment for sure. Yeah, it was a great moment. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we won that game with like a minute left, um, you know, but for the, for the personal highlight reel, it was nice. They, uh, they called a penalty and, and called the, the game or the the goal back but um it, it was a fun series it was a battle it was a grind I mean that whole series was Detroit played great and, and great team and and uh they, they they it was tough that was a tough series I remember you guys as forwards were like oh we got no room out here like can't can't get going and, and and you know for us defensemen it was it was tough they were they were flying on all cylinders those guys were those guys were uh we're playing great with Datsuk and Zetterberg and, and Franson and all those guys were, were just phenomenal. So it was a fun series. It was a hard series. And I think, uh, you know, as I, as I look back a little bit over some of those series and stuff like that, those hard fought wars were the best ones you could ever play in. Right. I mean, the Vancouver series, they were wars and they were always in the second round and it was, all right, we got two more to go here. And, um, to get to the top of the mountain, but uh, yeah, the whole thing was was fun. Yeah, I was thinking about the hard ones you guys fought, and of course, the Boston Bruins one in Boston. Uh, I remember how quickly that game turned around. But you know, I one of the big big things that we've been talking about all season long too is your both of your fellow teammate, a three time Stanley Cup champion, Patrick Kane, and what he's been doing this year with his team. Um, you know, Brent, you talked about Kirby Doc being out, obviously, and being with you and you guys working together to get back. We know Jonathan Taves is absent right now from the team. Patrick Kane, it feels like, is just carrying this entire team on his shoulders every single night, bringing that energy, taking a lead, different leadership stance than what we've seen from him. I'm curious to get your thoughts, Brent, on you know what you've seen of the evolution of Patrick Kane this season, but also you've played with him for so many years, and we're talking like over a decade of playing together, what you've seen from him in the maturation process on the ice as well. Yeah, he, I mean, he's been incredible. I don't think anybody's been, been better than him in, in the league. Um, this year and for the last number of years, but, uh, you know, just to watch him play, I think he, he's, uh, he's got a different mindset. Um, 
he's playing. Uh, I saw him dump a puck in the other night. I know Sharpie. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever seen him dump a puck in. But <laughs> he got a back he, check uh, in he, earlier this year, too. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to clip those. Hey, eh? who, who do I tell to clip those things? Back check. Um, you know, but he, he's buying into the system, and he, he's playing well. He's helping these young guys learn, I think. Uh, you know, when you have a guy like that, that uh, you know is so great, and, and all these young players look up to him. If, he, if he's playing the right way and doing doing a lot of those little things, I think uh, it's going to help our team be better. Yeah, it's funny how when he says something, it carries a little bit of extra weight these days too. Going back to like I don't know, first couple weeks of the season, he came out and mentioned how Jeremy was was getting a lot of buy-in from these young guys, and and all of a sudden the tune in Chicago just changes on the head coach. You know, he had some big shoes to fill there, stepping in for Joel, and then. I think Jeremy's done some good things and there's brighter days ahead, but it's, it's nice to see that he's, he's kind of got some, some space there in Chicago now with that fan base. And I think a lot of it has to do with the leadership of Kaner. He's one of those guys that's bought into how the team needs to play to compete and it keeps being said all over hockey world these days, if the Hawks get into the playoffs, Kaner's got to be in that top three for the Hart Trophy. Even if they yeah, don't get into the playoffs, wouldn't you agree? I mean, he's still got to be in the conversation. Yeah, probably. He's got to. He's, he's having a good season. And Hawks have some tough games coming up. They're in the middle of uh, a real difficult point in their schedule. Dallas is on their heels. Uh, at some point, they'll get it together. Columbus is right there. So it's not a foregone conclusion that the Hawks are going to get in there. But I like the way they're competing, most of all. And, and we'll see that, that serves up a, a bright future ahead for those kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if it, he's at the top of my list for MVP voting, just being able to see what he's done. I mean, I'm not watching all the other games, um, you know, but and I know there's some, some great players out there having great seasons and, and whatnot, but, but what Kaner's been able to do and, and, and how he's, you know, leading the charge and taking those young guys. He's, he's playing with Cat quite a bit and he's got a new centerman every period or, you know, if the line's struggling a little bit, uh, Jeremy's finding guys to, to help him and, and uh, I think he's been, uh, he's been incredible. So. Well, since we're talking about the playoffs, let's, uh, we're halfway through the regular season. So let's take a look at the Stanley Cup winner odds presented by PointsBet. Tampa is the favorite. I know you guys don't have the list in front of you and people probably listening at home don't either, but it's, it's Tampa Bay followed by Toronto, Vegas, Colorado, Boston. That rounds out the top group. Uh, top 10 and 15, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in there, the Washington Capitals at plus 2,000. Uh, you know, you look at this list and I guess, Sharpie, I'll start with you. Tampa's the favorite, but who else do you like on this list right now? This uh, I don't have those numbers, but the teams that I like as favorites, to be honest, it's tough to argue with Tampa. Just watch them play the Hawks three games in a row, and they look like they're ready to go and, and, uh, and take another crack at the Stanley Cup. Getting Kucherov back come playoff time will certainly help with that. The team that I can see beating Tampa in a playoff series at this point, we've got a lot of hockey to go, is Carolina. I really like how they play. I feel like if, if I was on the ice against that team, Today, it would be really tough to play out there. You don't have a lot of time and space with the puck. When it's on your stick, you got to move it because someone's going to come hit you or get in your face right away. Uh, and then they found a goaltender there, Nedeljkovic. I like those teams on the eastern side of things. Um, and then when I think about out west, that division stands out. If Colorado can stay healthy and Grubauer becomes the guy that can, can win playoff rounds, then they're clearly a favorite. Our boy Sodder's there scoring goals, and he'll score a bunch more in the playoffs. Uh, but I like Vegas, to be quite honest with you. I liked them last year, and they, they bowed out to Dallas. I like them again this year. Playoff goals is the question for me there in Vegas. Do so they have enough to, to put the puck in the net? How about you, Brent? Any, uh, any Stanley Cup favorites you got on your mind? 
Um, I think Sharpie said it pretty good. I think, uh, yeah, the teams he, he mentioned. Um, I think this year, I think the playoffs is, is going to be uh, be wild again, and it's going to be different. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, it could be a sleeper team. I don't know. It could be could be anybody. I'm going to be rooting for the Blackhawks to to get into the playoffs and and put a put a good showing out there. And um, you know, I, I, a favorite. I, I don't know. I think uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are jockeying around and and playing well. And um, the start of the season, I, I probably had some favorites. Maybe they're not in the mix right now, or, or maybe they're struggling a bit. But um, playoffs are playoffs, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I like the Vegas pick. I like uh, Tampa's playing great. Um, I think Toronto can get in there, and make some noise. Um, Colorado, like Sharpie said, if they stay healthy, they're going to have a good good crack at it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a fun playoffs to watch. Well, Sharpie just names every team, so he covers all of his bases. That's why he, that's what he does. He's got the East and the West. I mean, you guys, you look right. at the Tampa team, they've been good for a long time now. We saw they ultimately won the Stanley Cup in the bubble situation last fall. But this is a team that you guys were down two games to one against in 2015, ultimately going on and beating them to win the Stanley Cup. Sharpie, what, what was it about the comeback against that Tampa team? You know, how did you guys manage to do it? Honestly, Catherine, at that point, uh, the group in Chicago has played so many playoff rounds. It's like three or four rounds a year for five or six or seven years. It just was another battle against a tough team. For me, those two series at the end of 2015 were really tough. Anaheim first in the conference finals and then Tampa in the finals. The speed was noticeable for me from both of those teams. And the Tampa series, we were down, uh, I don't know, the, the, the lack of panic in our locker room was what stood out the most. I remember I did a had a few mistakes one game and very similar to what Jonathan did against Detroit. I took back-to-back penalties in the Tampa game in the third period. They scored on the power play on the second one when I was in the box and kind of cost us the game. I think that's why we were down three to, or excuse me, two to one. And uh, I remember Sieves patting me on the back, kind of just smiling, laughing about it right away after the game. Uh, we could just put things behind us back then. Probably an advantage of being on a team that's been through, through so many battles before. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think that that was the big thing about that team. I think we, we sort of – we had a little bit of it in 10, um, you know, and then obviously going into 2013, we, we think we could feel the pressure from the regular season. But in 15, it seemed like who cares? You know, like we win a game, we lose a game. It was just like, all right, what, what, we've got to fly where we flying tomorrow, we flying today, whatever, you know, we playing the next day. It was just, you know – we just knew knew what we needed to do, and and uh, I think that was a big part of our team being able to put things behind us. Whether it was a huge overtime win, you know, when the emotions are high, it's like I think we came in, gave somebody the belt, and we were all eaten before you knew it. You know, like on to the next thing, and and our panic level was pretty pretty low at that point, and we were just uh, we were just playing hockey, we were just having fun. It was great. And then you compare that, KT, to the early days in Chicago before we had any Stanley Cup experience. Every time you score a goal, it felt like you're going to win the Cup. And every time oh, yeah. you're on the ice for a minus, it was, oh, we're done, where it's over. So very even killed by the end of things. Oh, yeah, for sure. You guys played some lengthy series as well. I mean, 2015, two triple overtime games, one against Nashville, one against uh, 
Anaheim, as I recall. And it seems like, I mean, I don't know how you guys even mustered the strength to get through the next game, but you did. And then you ultimately go on and win. How draining were those games for you guys? I mean, what did you do for recovery? How did you get the, the strength to go out there and play again? Just from a physical standpoint. I think that was, that was just sort of the mode we were in. I mean, um, we, we just did it, we, you know, I, Joel always gave us lots of rest, um, lots of recovery. I remember we, we played, uh, played Minnesota and we swept them uh, in the second round that year in 15. And, and then we had 10 days off. And I remember, what was it, Sharpie? It was like two days off. And then we practiced two days in a row. We had two days off, practiced one day, flew to Anaheim. And then we had like a four o'clock game the next day. We practiced the next day and then we had a four o'clock game. And we just got smoked and ran over by Anaheim. They, they just had a hard-fought six-game, seven-game series. So they played a night or two before, and we were—I think we were all still sleeping. <laughs> and uh, and then and then it was was on from there. But um, yeah, I just think we were just playing hockey. It was just uh, just fun. We just got up and we all did it together as as a group. And we had those long flights, and we had you know long games, and and we were all we were all together and at the hotel eating and back in Chicago, just preparing for games. It was, the playoffs is weird. It's, a, it's sort of like a two month, two month game that you're just playing every day and you're just, that's, that's all you're really focused on and, and focused on recovery and rest and, uh, you know, driving to the rink, practice, driving home, resting, laying around all day and just getting prepared, so. And a lot of Mario Kart, KT, a lot of Mario Kart. Okay. And a lot of bouncing. That might've been the secret. Did Sharpie really walk around all the time bouncing tennis balls in between games and whenever he could get his hands on it? Yeah, it was a, that was his pregame thing. He'd be throwing it at people and, you know, he'd be sitting there trying to skate and he'd, he'd launch it at you. And if you didn't catch it, it'd hit you in the face or you weren't ready for it. Like, he, yeah, he, was, he was always doing little things like that. He'd have lacrosse balls sometimes. And, um, yeah. Well, now he has his own makeup kit. Things have changed a little bit. <laughs> I always had that. Yeah. yeah. Frank, could you have imagined he would have gone into broadcasting? Did you kind of see that path? Um, I don't know if I saw it. I mean, he's great at it. I think uh, I think he's done a done an awesome job watching him talk about games and stuff. He's pretty uh, pretty bang on a lot of the time, and and you know him bringing his expertise and, and what he did for for so many years on the ice and being able to trans translate that into. Um, talking about it and talking about different teams and other players and stuff like that. I think he's, he's doing a great job. And, um, you know, it, it's sort of, a, you know, we, we'd always have hot stoves in, in the hotel rooms and it uh, seems like he's now he's just got a camera in front of his face instead of me and Duncan. <laughs> that's, that's what I miss the most about playing, to be honest with you, big fella. Road games or wherever, getting to the hotel after a game, you know, it's like midnight, yeah. one o'clock in the morning and we're all wired. So, I'd always uh, meet up with Dunks and Seeds, and we'd just hash things out, talk about the Blackhawks uh, inside and out, top to bottom, the state of the team, and we'd have those hot stoves. That's what I miss the most out of not being on the squad anymore. Yeah, we had some late nights there, too. I remember some, some of those, it's like 7 in the morning, we'd be sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> we got to go to bed. Like, what are we doing here? But uh, And then we do the same thing the next night. It's like we didn't talk about it enough, you know, like – what else are we going to talk about? So it was, uh, but it was, it was always great. And, um, you know, being on the road and, and, and having those conversations and those hot stoves and, and, uh, it was fun. 
Well, as polished as Sharpie appears on the air, Brent, we're gonna have to show you his blooper reel because it's pretty epic too. <laughs> <laughs> like to see that. Yeah, we've got some fun moments. So don't worry, we might have to show you. Maybe we'll bring you in studio with a guest appearance and we'll show you the blooper reel we've got on him. <laughs> I want to get to the uh, the cold brew check fueled by Duncan and New Flames head coach, you guys. He recently said that bottom line, Connor McDavid is head and shoulders the best player in the league. Brian, you played against him a lot defensively, trying to defend this speedy, quick, best player in the league. Do you agree with his comments? Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a player. I think, uh, you know, what he's able to do um, – with his speed at a high level. I remember one, my, my first game against him, I think it was, we were in Edmonton and, and he picked the puck up and uh, it was a penalty kill. And for some reason, all three of our players were on the boards and, and he sort of bellied out and he was at the far blue line. I was at our blue line. And I literally, once he started picking up speed, I literally turned around and skated as fast as I could towards Corey and he, he just beat me to the net and I had a good angle on him and he didn't end up scoring. Crow made a good play on it and, and all that, but he, he, he picked up so much speed and how he's able to, to do what he's able to do at a high, high speed is, is incredible to watch. I feel like Sutter was saying that because he had to play against him for a couple of games and maybe he's trying to soften him up a little bit. Tough to say who the best player in the league is. Uh, individual skill, McDavid probably stands above the rest as far as his speed and how he can, his hands keep up to his legs when he's moving that fast. And the numbers he's putting up this year are incredible. But I've seen uh, awesome things out of Sidney Crosby, uh, Ovechkin, the best goal scorer, you know, Kaner at, at setting up his teammates. So all across the league, there's great players, but I don't think you're going to get too much of an argument if, if people are saying McDavid's the best KT. All right, that was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there is hockey, there is Duncan. And, uh, you know, along these lines, Brent, I'm curious to get your thoughts on which player, you know, you would just keep hashing over in your mind if you knew you were going up against him the next night, kept you up at night, trying to figure out ways to maybe, you know, defend against him. Was it, a, was it an Ovi? Was it a Sid? Who was that one player for you that just always had your mind? Um. I, I think uh, I think for a lot of years there it was uh, Pavel Datsuk. I mean, we never saw Sid and and Ovi a whole lot being in the West and them being in the East. Um, we played Detroit quite a bit early in in, uh, in our career, Sharpie. But you know, watching watching Datsuk um, and what he was able to do, I think he, he made his teammates better. He was uh, you know he could beat you one on one. He could he could close in on you and, and create some space. He had that counter hit. He used to knock me over a few times. Um, uh, you know, he, he was just one of those special players and what he's able to do with, with the puck, without the puck. Uh, you know, I know being a defenseman, you, you'd get a step on him and uh, he'd strip you from behind. I remember skating as fast as I went, as fast as I could away from him a few times and not even knowing if I had the puck or not. And, and uh, he, he was just one of those special players. Um, that, that was tough to play against, for sure. When I think of Sieves' top matchups, KT, over the years, uh, Dustin Brown comes to mind. He's a winger, played against Sieves all the time. They probably hit each other, I don't know, hundreds of times each in their career. Think of Jerome McGinley and the Flames being a power forward, matching up against Sieves a lot. Uh, but the, the pair that I think of the most, besides Datsuk, would be the Sedin Twins. Like, we played yeah. Vancouver three years in a row in the playoffs. The Twins were arguably – the top duo, they must have been the top duo back then. I got to go through all the numbers and stuff, but they were 
top players in the league, and they did damage against anybody. And Dunks and Siebes were on that top pair that faced them a lot. So those are the matchups I think of when I think of Mr. Biscuits out there. <laughs> oh yeah, those that that the the Sedins, they were they were super tough. It was uh, you know I know some nights we got the best of them, and some nights they kicked the crap out of us too. And it was um, you know it was one of those battles you had to you had to hit them if you could get them you'd have to hit them because if you didn't like I remember there was some games I must have done three or four wind sprints between the two of them you know like you skate <laughs> at one of them you know they're passing it back and forth to each other every yeah. time too you know? yeah you know exactly what they're doing but it's like you just couldn't you couldn't figure it out and um you know you had to almost take one of them out you know stick them to the boards and hold them there for five <laughs> seconds so Dunk could come and take the puck from the other one but yeah, they were just super smart players. They seemed to to have that knack where they just like they had one mind. They knew where each other was going to be, and and uh, yeah, they were they were definitely a tough matchup for sure. That's awesome. I know we could talk to you forever about all the stories, Brent, and uh, we look forward to hopefully connecting with you again down the road. Before I let you go, uh, you know, all the years in the league, the three Stanley Cups, the teammates you've played with, uh, what are you most grateful for with the opportunity to play in the NHL? Uh I think I'm most grateful for, for the opportunity in Chicago. I think, uh, you know, getting there as a, as a 20 year old and, and being able to, to make the team and sort of grow with all those players um, was super special. And in, in Chicago, it was uh, some tough times there uh, our first couple of years, but uh, you know, I was just honored to be in the NHL and, and being, being a part of a great franchise and an original six team and, and uh, being able to be there, I think Rocky works and, and now Danny, I think they're doing a great job of, of uh, steering that organization in a, in a great direction and, and uh, you know, made a lot of great friends there and a lot of, had a lot of great teammates. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it was just a special time being a part of uh, the Blackhawks organization and, and being able to pull that sweater on every night. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, Brent. Uh, we look forward to hopefully connecting with you down the road. We can probably squeeze you on set, move Sharpie to the side if you'd like to ever come join us. We'll talk about a game. But best of luck to you. Enjoy the retirement and congratulations to you. Thanks, Steve. Right, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everybody listening at home for joining us for another episode of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. We'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.